Hi, this is Katie Foley, and you are listening to Life Giver. Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. Hi guys, it's Erin Whitehead, 2010 Marine Corps Spouse of the Year and creator at ManyKindRegards.com. We've been married 16 years. You know, I couldn't go through this life with him if I couldn't laugh about it and, and really just be able to embrace the craziness that is our life. So I appreciate him so much and it's hard to be apart right now, but I know that we're going to be fine. We got it. We're going to make it through this. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. This is Corey, and I'm so excited that you're joining with me today. I thought that it would be a great time to share with you some of the thoughts that I have had recently as to how we can better strengthen our families. Resilience, yes, I'm using that word. Resilience has been a huge topic that people have been bringing me in to address. I've got questions like, How do we get our families to be more resilient or what does it take to make them more resilient or why are our military families so resilient? And to be honest, I think like a lot of you, I'm kind of tired of the word resilient and I've been wanting to change it lately. So I'm kind of I'm calling it the R word like I want to get away from resilient. So. I would like to change that to something like grit or fortitude, because really that's what I think it takes for military families. Resilience is this word that means to bounce back or to be stretchy or elastic or to to snap back into its original form. And what I've been realizing that I think a lot of you know is that rarely do we bounce back or return to our original form when stress happens or when an obstacle comes into our life. What I've found more than anything else is that I grow through a challenge or an obstacle that comes through my life. I am not the same after something happens as I was in the beginning. And that doesn't feel like resiliency to me. And what it really feels like to me is this idea of grit and fortitude that my character is shaping as I go through something difficult. So I wanted to take the opportunity today to talk to you about the theory that I believe is how do we make our families strong and able to get through whatever comes our way? And I'm going to kind of push aside and try my best to not use the R word and instead walk you through why I think that we are strong and able to grow through our circumstances and why I believe that marriage is the key that can help us get through anything and why we should invest in our marriages because of that. So I want you to bear with me today because we're going to put our thinking caps on and we're going to get into a little bit of a heady conversation and And so that I can walk you through my thought process that has felt like a Jackson Pollock painting at times. There's been there's been moments where I've been thinking about, oh, goodness, what is it that makes us not just strong and able to get through difficult things? Because we are amazing at that. And I want to figure out why are we amazing and why are there times that we aren't so amazing? And what is going on within us when we go through this military lifestyle lifestyle of constant change and stress. So what I'd like to do is share with you how this happened, this this theory that I developed, how it evolved and how it actually came about. So as you know, as a clinician, I was working a lot with military spouses and couples, but there were different seasons where I was getting mostly military spouses there for a little while. And I found it very interesting and fascinating as I would listen to their stories and think about my own story of how we were getting through stressful things and how we were using the community or how varying challenges would stress us out more than other challenges. For instance, why 
we could get through a deployment okay, but then when I have to sign my kids up to, with Parent Central and CYS and do all the paperwork, why that seemed to just like be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it was these little things that I was finding that were really breaking us as military spouses and our ability to find the strength and fortitude that we needed to get through difficult things. If you've listened to my AUSA speech, it's just a six-minute speech. You can find it on my website. If you've heard that, there's a phrase that I use at the end where I say, it is the pee under the mattress that breaks a military spouse, not the bigger things that they're usually expecting. And I really believe that this is true. So... As I started to listen to these military spouses, I was really zooming in on the individual. The marriage is crucial. We, we all are married, and that's why we're military spouses, and we all have that in common. And so we wouldn't be a military spouse if we weren't married. So marriage definitely is part of the equation for all of us in how we invest into our home and into our relationship that makes our life better, stronger, or giving us the ability to experience joy. So what happened was I started with marriage ministry because my husband and I, that's what we're passionate about. We're about how do we help military marriages? But then when I started to think about the individual and I started to work with more military spouses, I was kind of zooming in on the individual because we all know that a marriage is made up of two individuals and each of those people need to be doing the hard work that it takes to make the marriage great. I often worked with individuals, whether it was a husband or a wife, who would come to me for counseling and say, I'm doing everything that I can or I want to do everything that I can, but I feel like my spouse isn't working as hard as I am and I don't know what to do. And I'm hopefully going to have the time to address that later on in this podcast and circle back around and say, what do we do when our spouse isn't working as hard as we are? But I found myself working on and focusing on how do I help this individual become great and become better within themselves in order to plug back into the marriage and be a part of making that marriage great. And so, yes, I do want to say and acknowledge that a marriage is made up of two people that they both have to be working hard in order for that marriage to become strong and successful and capable to get through stress. But then through my process of examining and looking at military spouses, including myself, and looking at what we go through, I started to feel like something was missing. This idea of how do we create stronger families, something is missing. It's not just up to the individual. It's it's something bigger than that. And this is where I really want you to kind of visualize for me Um when you look at Google Earth and you're looking at Earth as a planet and you know like like when you're in space and then you kind of zoom in with Google Earth and you go all the way from space all the way to the United States and we're zooming in and then we find our, our state and then we zoom in to the street and we zoom in to the house. That's what it felt like for me as I was looking at the big picture of what makes our families and individuals strong and the R word or capable of going through difficult things. And I was zooming in to the individual, to military spouses and saying, okay, how, how do I make a military spouse strong and capable of getting through something? What does that take? What skills does she need? What, does, what support does she need around her? But that's when I realized that something was missing. And I found myself in the last, I would say, two to three months, zooming back out and really taking a look at instead of not just the individual, but zooming back out and looking at the marriage. And what if marriage is really the bigger answer of how do we get through difficult things? So put your thinking caps on because I'm going to walk you through um, a theory that I think is really important. And we often learn about it in school. You definitely learn about it if you're in psychology as you explore and, and are educated on different theories. But I think it's really crucial that we understand this process, even as it relates to dealing with our children. I used this particular theory to work with teenagers when I did that at Fort Gordon. As I was seeing teens coming in with 
you know, stress and not fitting in at school and some of them were cutting and some of them were really breaking down and not functioning well. And all of the skills that I would throw their way would not stick to them. They wouldn't pick them up and they wouldn't do better. And so I kind of decided to go a different route in working with these teenagers and and see if I could work from the bottom up, the foundation up to see what I could do to help these kids become more capable of getting through difficult circumstances without completely falling apart. And doesn't that sound familiar? As military spouses, don't we want to be able to get through something without falling apart? Well, we have to look at it from the foundation up. So here we go. The first thing we're going to talk about is Maslow's Ladder. It's often called the Hierarchy of Need. And what I want you to do is I want you to picture a pyramid. And there's, you know, seven steps, you know, section off, seven, like a ladder, seven steps from the bottom of this pyramid to the top. And I'm not going to take you through all seven of those. But I do want us to acknowledge the first three to four levels on this ladder um, because I I think it's incredibly important and I think you're going to see what we need as individuals to stay strong and why we find ourselves crumbling sometimes and why you're going to see why marriage can be a huge answer to helping us get through anything. So we have this pyramid. It's Maslow's hierarchy of need. And in general, I want you to just picture this pyramid and the seven levels. You know, it's divided into seven steps within the pyramid. And the basic idea behind this hierarchy of need is that Maslow said, You have to go through each of these in order from the bottom of the pyramid to get to the top. So the very bottom is what are our basic needs that we have to have in order for us to get to the top of the pyramid, the very tip top of the pyramid, which is what he called self-actualization. And basically self-actualization is the ability to realize your fullest potential and become everything that you're capable of becoming. That's our goal, isn't it? We all want a greater sense of purpose. We all want to know who we are and what we're made to do and and how to do that well and feel fully confident in all of that. That is what I hear more than anything else. And honestly, that's what I love to do. I love to go and speak to spouses or pretty much anybody, even students, and talk with them and encourage them about how they can find their potential and find their purpose. The problem, though, is... And this is why the hierarchy of need is so important. The problem is that we are expecting ourselves, and I think sometimes the military expects us to be at the top of that pyramid, knowing our full potential, having full confidence, knowing we can get through anything without us walking through the other steps that lead to the top. We can't know our sense of purpose. We can't have confidence in ourselves and get through anything if we don't have these other needs met first. So I want us to cover the first of these few needs because you're going to see even in when you're parenting with your kids, whether they are small children or whether they're teenagers, how important this hierarchy of need is. Because if they're missing one of these foundational steps, if we are missing one of these foundational steps, we have to stop and hit the pause button and stop at that level and address that need before we can go anywhere else. So picture for me again this pyramid it's divided into seven layers or seven steps and if you are in a place where you can draw this that's even better Um, if you are on the internet listening to this uh, the cover photo for this episode is going to be Maslow's hierarchy of needs so that you can reference it it will also be on the blog portion of this podcast episode so that you'll be able to have access to it as well you'll definitely want to print it off and hang it on your fridge and think about this as you're dealing with your children or as you're thinking about what's going on within yourself when you're having a stressful day or you feel discouraged or something feels off, being able to look at this hierarchy of need and go, what is it that I'm needing right now? Why am I not feeling myself or feeling capable of doing something with what life is handing me? 
So the first foundational bottom step that we all have to have before we can even function as a human being is physiological needs. Basically, this is what we need to keep our body functioning. We need food. We need water. We need air to breathe. We, you know, temperature in your house, temperature outside affects our body and how we're doing. If you're freezing, I don't know about you guys, but if I have the perfect storm in my body of being cold and not having eaten for several hours and a little bit of stress too, that combination for me can trigger a migraine. And if I have a migraine, I'm not going to function well. And so knowing what's going on within our body and having those basic needs is extremely important. Also in this bottom rung is things like rest and sleep and activity. If you've been sitting for eight hours straight, there's something in your body that says, I need to get up and move or I don't feel well. Sex is also included in this. Um, you know, that's a whole other podcast episode is intimacy and how men and women are different, um, but extremely important. Um, if you don't have a high libido, that's okay. But sex is important for our feelings of, release and relaxation and desiring to be wanted and needed and all of that. So that's a whole other podcast episode that I hope to do in the future. But just recognize that that is in the bottom rung. And especially as you think about your husbands, if you're a female military spouse, um, that this is a very important subject for them in their physiological need and also their need for connection with you in your marriage. So that is the bottom rung, paying attention to what's going on in your body and giving it the basic needs that your body needs in order to function. This is also um, important for when your soldier is deployed or a service member is gone. Chaplains and mental health professionals are trained that when something stressful happens for that service member, the first thing that they do is make sure that they are fed and that they sleep and they get some rest and that they have shelter because you can't address any traumatic event that that service member has been through until you give and meet those physiological needs. That's how important it is. If I were to give you an example of children, um, I think about a toddler who hasn't had a nap. You can't ask a toddler to behave or obey if they've missed a nap and they're not functioning well. So understanding I have to meet this need before I can expect anything above that is really important. So first step, physiological needs. The second step in this pyramid is safety. We're going to camp out on this one because this really woke me up as I was really wrestling and diving deep into how do we make our families stronger and what's going on within the military spouse world and culture that sometimes is that pee under the mattress that breaks us and it's right here in the safety needs. Now usually safety is is things like physical safety like do I feel if somebody is threatening me then obviously I can't think about my higher sense of purpose and confidence and what I want to do with my life if I feel threatened, right? So safety is incredibly important physically. If we have a military spouse that's going through an emotionally abusive or a physically abusive relationship, then we can't address with her her career if we don't address her need for safety. So this is the next important need above meeting our physiological needs is do we feel safe? But what I really want to point out to you that I think hits an even broader audience of military spouses is that safety needs also are our emotional need to feel safe. It's not just physiological safety. So, for example, we often create a feeling of safety in our homes by creating structure and routine. And we are known as military spouses for kind of being control freaks. I'll admit that I am sometimes with our routine and our structure, because sometimes when the world and the military feels like it's chaotic and out of control, we control what we can control. And that is our home. So we create this routine and this structure in order to give us that feeling of feeling emotionally safe. In fact, I was just speaking with a military spouse yesterday at lunch 
And we were talking about how something small, such as your service member calling and saying, I won't be home until seven, and you plan on that, and you plan dinner according to that, and and why if they call and say, oh, never mind, I'm coming home at midnight, why that small communication can completely throw you. While we're thankful that our service member called and updated us and communicated what's actually going on, there's something about needing that routine and structure that makes us feel so emotionally safe and stable that that pee under the mattress of communicating I'm now going to be home at midnight throws us into this place where we're like now what are we going to do are we going to eat early should I save a plate for him do I am I upset about him for that what there's just a stirring within you that you now have to resolve because you had planned on something and didn't realize that you put a lot of importance on the routine and structure that you had put in place. A huge threat to our sense of safety that I want to point out is if we are under a circumstance where there is fear of the unknown, that can make us feel emotionally unsafe. And this is what triggered a mind storm for me when I was really taking a look at the hierarchy of needs from the perspective of a military spouse. Because when I saw fear of the unknown can threaten our sense of safety, my first thought was, oh my goodness, we are in a constant state of fear of the unknown, no matter where we are. Even if we've moved to a place for several years, there is the constant question of when is he going to get orders? When is he going to be deployed? Is his job going to change? Um, Will his schedule be what he said it would be today? It is a constant feeling of not knowing what's going to happen next, especially if you're in in a deployment where you are worried about your spouse's safety and there's the constant adrenaline rush of, am I going to get that knock on the door? And when you're undergoing that amount of fear and that amount of anxiety and the constant threat to your emotional safety, there's only so many times your adrenal gland in your body that's responsible for putting out the adrenaline to handle a safety threat. There's only so many times that adrenal gland can fire before it becomes exhausted. And what happens when your adrenal gland becomes exhausted is that it just doesn't react to stress anymore. And we're not capable of dealing with that stress well. So that natural adrenaline rush that helps us figure out quickly what we need to do and how we need to respond to a new change or a new set of circumstances that come our way or an actual threat. Instead, we find ourselves going numb or becoming so overly stressed that we can't figure out our way around it. We find ourselves dealing with fatigue and our cortisol levels are so low that that's where we see a lot of weight gain, especially around the abdomen as well. And so our whole body is this wonderful connected system that if something is not going right in our body, it's going to affect another system. And that brings us back to the lower level again, doesn't it? Because if we don't feel emotionally safe, yes, we need to address that. But if it's affected our health, then we are not going to be able to go any higher on that ladder until we address what's going on in our body and take care of our body and then address how do I find a sense of safety and find a sense of stability to feel emotionally safe. So that's only the second rung of like seven for us to feel purposeful and to feel confident and feel like we are the R word of what we want to be and what I think the military wants us to be. The next level is I think the highest that I want us to go today because I really want us to just understand these first three. I will mention the fourth, but as we go into it, really just really examining the first three. So the third level, the third step of these seven steps in the hierarchy of needs is love and belongingness. Now, this is a place where we feel like we can give love, we can receive love, we feel accepted, we feel supported, we feel like we belong to something. And let me tell you how this plays out for the teenagers that I saw. 
Now, many of you know, developmentally for teens, as kids go from pretty much middle school into high school, it gradually becomes that their understanding of themselves and how they view themselves is more so connected to how peers see them. And they are in an extreme place of trying to find where they belong. And this is really important. So when I was seeing teenagers... They were dealing with feeling emotionally unsafe if it, there was cyberbullying or bullying going on in the school, or maybe something was happening at home. Um, they were also dealing with physiological issues such as depression or um, not getting enough rest or not being active enough outside or in sports or whatever. And so what I found was I could not help them understand where they had a sense of belonging and deal with how they felt that they were not accepted until we addressed the first two steps. But this is an incredibly important place that they have to get to before they can start talking about who they are and their sense of purpose and wanting to have confidence. Parents would bring their teens to me and say, she just doesn't have confidence. She just doesn't know who she is. And we really love her and we really want her to like herself, but we don't know how to get her there. And as I told them, that was not going to happen or even her achieving, I say her because I mostly saw teen girls, we were not going to see her achieve well in school until we met those first three needs. She needed rest or she needed to be more active or we needed to address what might be going on in her body. And then the second one was feeling emotionally safe. Did she feel safe at home emotionally or physically? Did she feel safe in the school? Did she feel um, like there was as much stability as possible even as it relates to the discipline in the home and the structure of the home that creates the safety that she needs so that mom's not flying off the handle when something small or minor happens. Or even if there's like an issue with her digital device and she posts a picture she shouldn't have, if parents are completely freaking out, she doesn't feel emotionally safe to be vulnerable and talk about what's going on in her world, then how are we expecting her to achieve well in school with her grades and feel confident about who she is when she feels not emotionally safe. So as I started to take a look at what this looked like for military spouses, I thought, okay, love and belonging. How does that happen in a military spouse's life? We move to a new place, maybe. We find our connection with other military spouses. We do a really great job online of finding new military spouses to connect with or within the community that we've relocated to. And also staying really well connected to previous military spouses that we have really become close with. And we might find a support group through PWOC or through other small group events. And that's typically what we do. We go to a new location. If you're somebody that moves frequently, you find your circle of friends and that's where you feel like you belong. And if you're moving somewhere, you kind of tell yourself, or at least I tell myself that I, even though I'm moving, I'm still part of a bigger network of military spouses who understand me and understand my world. And I belong there. But I think I realize that what happens often, and maybe this has come up in my life recently because we have moved and are moving so much, um, and even the last two, actually three years, this is going to be like three moves in three years. And so I think that's why it's been really fresh in my mind. But as I thought about what happens when we relocate or when our service member comes home with orders to deploy, what I realized was we move to a place and we very quickly establish a place where we feel like we belong. We, we try our best to connect into whatever circles locally that we can connect to. And when we get those orders or when something happens, what I realized is we're immediately thrown down to the second rung on the ladder, the second step of emotionally unsafe. And even though we try to keep moving up the ladder every time we move or every time something happens, we are continuously knocked down to that second rung of the ladder of feeling emotionally unsafe. And when we talk about the R word and how many spouses are, quote, strong and able to bounce back, I think that what we're really seeing 
is that once you've gone through these steps enough times, the step after uh, love and belonging is finding your self-esteem. And that's where you, you know, explore things that you're interested in and you find meaning and predictability for things. And you really invest knowledge and into things that that you're passionate about. Like, you know how when you move to a new place and all you can think about is getting your house settled and getting the pictures hung on the wall and establishing this place where you feel safe. And then you then think about, okay, who do I need to meet? Do I need to meet my neighbors? Do I need to join a small group? Do we need to find a church? We are searching for that love and belonging, the ability to give love and feel like we belong to something. And then once we find that, don't you find yourself then we invest into what we're passionate about. Maybe that's when we get back into our hobby of crafting, or maybe that's when we get back into our fitness goals, or that's when we start researching that topic that we wanted to write about. It, that can't happen until we've gone through those other steps. And so we do that again and again. And what I find is military spouses who are senior spouses or seasoned in this process can climb the ladder very quickly each time they have a new move or a new change because they're used to going through those steps. And so they don't question whether or not they're going to get involved in the community because they know that's necessary and they've done it before and they know about how long it takes and they know that they're going to find that connection there and so they kind of force themselves to do that because they've had the experience but all of us can look back to being brand new spouses and realize that man that first assignment of how do I get involved and who is safe to connect with and will they accept me is like a brand new experience that can sometimes feel excruciating. So we have to recognize that there's so much wisdom and mentoring that can come from spouses who've been through looping through this ladder several, several times, going through the steps again and again and again. But what saddens me for our community is the fact that when something happens, we're thrown to the bottom of the ladder again and how discouraging that can feel. And that's why I think that if we are as a culture struggling some, I think that that's where our weariness is coming from. When you climb that ladder and you find a place where you can feel purposeful and you feel confident and then you have to start over, I think the weariness comes in of having to start over and rebuild that each time. And that is discouraging when you think there may be no end in sight to that loop being continuous. You know, yes, we can find ourselves stationed again with friends that we have been around before and that is an an incredible blessing but when I started to take a look at when people were asking me how do we keep families strong and how do we keep them able to get through anything that comes their way again I'm trying to avoid using the r word here I started to think there has to be something else You remember how I said we were zooming in into the home and I was looking at the individual and I was only looking at the military spouse and how do I help that individual become stronger? When I realized that we were looping again and again and that's where we were feeling discouraged and that's where we were feeling weary, that's where I started to zoom back out because there has to be a better answer than just only investing in the individual, which is incredibly important, but we're weary and we're tired and we know that this is going to this loop is going to keep happening. So that's when I zoomed out and I thought a lot about our life and about what's important to us and I asked myself how do we create stability? How do we minimize the fear of the unknowns that send us there every time? And the two answers that I came up with were number 1 marriage Because marriage is the one home and sense of love and belonging that is with us wherever we go and our faith. And I know some of you out there that are listening to this podcast are not spiritual and don't want to be. And I respect that. But I have to tell you that faith is also something, faith in something bigger than yourself, something outside of you, something that is not another human because humans are weak and they're imperfect and we're going to mess up. 
that finding something bigger than yourself is extremely important to provide the stability for when people are imperfect and do make mistakes. So I really started to take a look at marriage and returning back to what I felt originally called to do, which is strengthen marriages. Yes, I can help an individual become strong and get through something that she's facing or that he's facing. But you know what? She's married to somebody. And that impacts that spouse and that spouse's behavior impacts her. And so even if I work with just the individual, I found myself frustrated along with the frustration of my clients that would come in when they would want to work on their marriage, but only one person would show up because there was only so much that I could do for an individual if I didn't have the other person there working on it too. And that's when I realized marriage is the one place that can If we provide the skills and the knowledge and build up what a marriage is and and what a healthy marriage can be, it can be the one home and the one constant stability that goes with us everywhere we go, no matter where we move and no matter what comes our way. Even during a deployment, it is something that is still constant that we are working on and thinking about. When your marriage is struggling, and it could just be a minor conflict, a minor argument that happened that morning, do you not find yourself for the whole day thinking about the relationship? How can I fix it? What can I say? What was wrong with him? Or something feels off? Or do you just feel disconnected and you feel like you can't focus on anything else until you fix whatever it is that's off between you and your spouse? So even the most minor thing can affect us in our feeling of emotionally feeling unsafe and our ability to function if there's something off in the relationship. On the other extreme, though, when your relationship is strong and you've invested in it and you've learned positive, great communication skills and you're practicing those and you are growing yourself and you're encouraging your spouse to grow and you have those tough conversations of accountability, a strong marriage, a strong marriage team I have seen get through anything. I have seen strong marriages get through the loss of a child or a medical illness or a deployment or loss of friends or whatever comes their way. I have seen a strong marriage team capable of holding themselves together and being the main source of support for each other to help them get through anything, to give them that sense of emotional safety, to give them that sense of routine and structure and stability, and also that place where we feel love and belonging that won't be taken away from us. It is the one thing that keeps us on the third step, the third rung of the ladder of hierarchy of needs so that we can hopefully not be sent to the bottom every time, that we can stay at least on that third rung so that when we do move, when we do have a new challenge that comes our way, we our bottom, our foundation of of place of growth, it stops at that third rung because we know we have a sense of love and belonging in our marriage and we can dive more quickly into that fourth rung of developing our self-esteem and then finding later our sense of purpose. If we are only knocked down to, yes, I'm in a new place. Yes, I need to feel like I have to start over with my career, but I do have my marriage and I do feel a sense of love and belonging with my spouse. And I do know that we're connected and I know that we love each other and I know that we can get through anything. And I know that my spouse supports me in whatever it is that I'm struggling through or anything that I want to do or that we have this team mindedness that we will figure it out together no matter what it is. That is so crucial. And it is, I think, one of the biggest answers that we have to getting through this military life with hope and with courage and helping us build our characters. But that means we have to really invest in it. That means that we really have to do what we can to build a strong, healthy marriage. Now, I know that there are some of you that are feeling like, 
That sounds great, Corey. That sounds ideal. And I would love to have that. But my spouse isn't working very hard. My spouse just wants to play video games or comes and goes as he or she pleases or whatever might be going on in your world. And you're frustrated by that. And I get it. And that is why it is important to zoom in on the individual and say, what you do matters. How you breathe life into your spouse's world matters. And sometimes that means that we're encouraging them by saying, I want you to win. I don't want to test you and wait for you to fail, which what that looks like is there's something maybe around the house that feels really important to me, like maybe you doing the dishes. And so I'm going to sit and watch and wait and not say anything and see whether or not you do the dishes. And then he doesn't do the dishes and he's failed the test, but he didn't know that that was something that was important to you because you didn't tell him. Instead, it's saying, honey, when you do the dishes, it makes me feel so loved and thought of and I really appreciate that after making a big meal that I can rest or be with the kids or whatever while you do the dishes and so every time you do that or when you have done that in the past it really makes a difference in my day wow you've given him or her depending on if you're a male or female military spouse you've given them a chance to succeed we all want chances to succeed none of us want to feel like we're being tested none of us want to fail our marriage should be i am for you not against you i want you to win today and so part of it is communication and so if you feel like for a long time you've been um, nagging or telling your spouse all the things that they're doing wrong and they're not making any changes try to switch it up and instead of telling how they're failing Give them examples of things that they have done in the past, even if you have to reach for one small, tiny thing to say, when you do this, I feel loved and connected to you and I feel safe with you. So, but I also want to say that sometimes speaking a hard truth is also speaking life into your spouse's world. So there are times, and sometimes you need a counselor to help you figure out when it's time to do this, but there are times when in a strong marriage or in a healthy marriage, it is right for you to go to your spouse and say, when you do such and such, it makes me feel disconnected. When you come home and you give us a brief hello and you go straight to video games, I feel disconnected from you. I feel like you don't care or I feel like I can't, I don't feel close to you. And I long to be close to you. But when you do things like that, I feel like I don't feel safe emotionally to open up and be vulnerable to you. I really want that back in our lives, but I, I need something to change because of that. I have to tell you, and I'll be, I've always told you that I would be honest and vulnerable on these podcasts, um, that this even happened to me last night, that I, I saw my husband was a little bit frustrated, and I sat down with him and said, what is going on? Um, what What is it that you're frustrated at? And he had to speak a hard truth into my life and say that um, I have a tendency, by the way, of, of choosing relationships over tasks, and I know that about myself, and so I had spent the day visiting with other people and investing in other people's lives or um, spending time with people and so that I felt refreshed and I chose that over doing some of the housework that ended up being actually very important to my husband. He is not somebody that like has to have certain things done and expects me to do them but it made him feel unsettled to come home and not have some tasks around the house done where it helps him relax and so he had no problem jumping in and doing those things because because he has such a servant heart. But hearing from him when he said to me, it really ministers to me and it makes me feel like I can relax when, you know, these three things are basically kind of done each day. And I had to face my own internal shame of I'm a horrible wife and I'm a horrible um, stay at home mom or whatever. Um, but that's not going to get me anywhere. And I have to make the choice to go, this is, first of all, I'm thankful that he communicated that to me because I want to win and he wants me to win. And I didn't want to fail at a test that I didn't know was happening. And so I have to choose to hear that and choose to change my behavior and acknowledge that this is important to him. And so it needs to be important to me. So speaking hard truth to your spouse is a way of speaking life into them 
and can create change, but it needs to be done carefully. And the best advice that I can give you is wait for an open window. An open window is when you hear your spouse um, ask for it, like I did, where I said, tell me what I can do better. What is it that's frustrating you? That's an open window. Um, an open window is also sometimes created where you go to your spouse and say, hey, on Tuesday night after we put the kids to bed, can we talk about a few things that I've thought about of how we can make our marriage better and stronger so that we feel more connected? That's a way of communicating it where they can hear it and go, hey, I think I want that too. Sure, I can set aside that time. Giving somebody a heads up always gives them the time to prepare their heart and their mind for whatever it is that needs to be talked about. It's so much better than surprising them with something when they're not ready to listen or be fully engaged. So it's very important that you find an open window before you have difficult conversations. So the last thing that I can say for today, because there's going to be other podcasts that will address more specifically um, other topics in marriage and communication and intimacy. But I do want to say that it's extremely important that you do the best to grow and invest in yourself. Take care of you. Take care of these rungs of the ladder in your life. If you don't feel well, take a look at what's going on in that first rung. Take a look at what's going on in the second rung. Um, and move your way up so that you can do the personal growth that it takes within you because ultimately we're asking our spouse to do the same thing in their life. We only have control over ourselves. We don't have control over the other person. And that takes a lot of understanding about boundaries. And I'm really excited and hopeful to do an episode on boundaries because I get so many questions on that. Uh, but if you would like to get ahead of that, there's a great book called Boundaries. You've heard me recommend it before. It's by Townsend and Cloud. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in the Barnes and Nobles or Lifeway Christian bookstores. It's a little bit spiritual, but it's not too heavy. And start to realize what you're responsible for versus what someone else is responsible for but hear me say that as we are responsible for ourselves we have great influence into the other person's life the great part about marriage is that nobody wants to be left behind if I grow, it's going to encourage my husband to grow because he doesn't want to get left behind. When my husband grows in a certain area, it encourages me to work hard to match where he is because I don't want to be left behind. And that's what happens. There's this ebbing and flowing that happens in a military or in a marriage um, that keeps us growing and getting better. So you do have influence when you work on yourself and you know your boundaries and you know what you are only responsible for. And oftentimes by changing you, you can actually change the marriage. Sometimes that looks like you changing within yourself what your spouse has been asking you for a long time that he or she needs you to change and that when he or she sees you making those changes, it inspires them to work harder on the things that they need to change too. But it also gives them hope that the marriage has hope, that you love them. So make those changes within yourself that are really important, even if it's in the very beginning going to a counselor for help or starting to read some of these resources to figure out um, what in your life needs to change or get better and not necessarily waiting on your spouse to start it first. So to wrap up and summarize, I hope I didn't lose you guys along the way because I know it was kind of heady, but... To wrap up or summarize, I really just want to express to you my excitement that when I take a look at military families, I really do believe that for those of us who are married to a service member, that if we would invest in our relationships and make those as strong as possible, we can possibly find ourselves at a constant, more stable place where we can function better and we can be stronger and we can get through anything. But I will tell you, and hear me on this because I see it every day that I am human, you are human, and so is your spouse. None of us are perfect. And a lot of times we will find ourselves assuming or accidentally expecting our spouse to be on a level of perfection that we cannot even attain. And because we're human, we all have the ability to hurt someone else, especially our spouse, even if it's on accident. There are so many opportunities for misunderstanding and hurt that happens in a marriage. And if we make 
our spouse or ourselves, God, meaning we expect them to be perfect or we expect to find our ultimate sense of joy and purpose and fulfillment within ourselves or from our spouse. And that's what I mean by making us or them God. We will be miserable because I think most of you know by now that being married requires a great deal of sacrifice and selflessness. And the only way that we can accomplish selflessness and not choosing selfishness is by recognizing that we need help from something outside of ourselves. We need something that is stable. We need something that does not change. We need something that can provide the love and belonging that does not change. And for me, that's my God. And that's my faith that regardless where I go, regardless of how I might mess up or say the wrong thing to my husband or not make the changes that I thought that I wanted to make and didn't even in my own marriage that when I fail in small ways or when we fail in big ways that there is a God that is constant that wants to love us and wants to have a relationship with us and wants to provide the forgiveness so that we don't have to to swim in shame and guilt but that we can find the courage and strength that we need to pick ourselves back up, be human, and invest again in the relationship that he's given us that is meant to sharpen us, to build our character, and to show us all of our flaws because that's what happens in marriage. We see like we're looking in a mirror and we see all of our flaws and it's the one place where we realize we have to make changes and grow up. So I hope that this podcast today made sense to you. I hope that it spoke to you and encouraged you. I hope that it gives you a better understanding of the small peas under the mattresses that can break us and why they do. Um, And also maybe for some of you, why you are strong and able to mentor other people because you've been looping through these steps so many times. But if nothing else, I also hope that it encourages you to look outside of yourself and find those places of emotionally, emotional safety and stability that you need. Um, to put into your life and invest so that you can be a healthier, better you for you, for your children if you have them, and especially for your spouse. So until next time, I will talk to you later. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706-431-7222 and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.